Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer, and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. Welcome back. In this second episode, Mimi Young and I go in. We speak about the nuance of mother-daughter relationships, plants as mother archetypes, raising psychic kids, technology, and being a dominatrix over social media. There is so much in here. You may want to grab a pen and journal and enjoy. But with my own mother, I don't know about you, like when I finally basically had to uh, say to her that I have all the respect um, and really like reverence, um, like to that degree of what she uh, did um, and understands that uh, a, a huge defining part of who she is um, or was as a mother was uh, this idea of sacrifice. Mm. And, and also me understanding that I could very easily continue that pattern um, in in the line, um, and then also realizing that you know I don't really want to be that over functioning mom um, because I I don't think I, I don't think it's a gift that I want to pass on to my children. Um, I don't want them to see that that is what the female must do right. to be a worthy female, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and and because I don't have a daughter. Uh, part of that is like, well, how do I raise feminist uh, boys, feminist men, um, and how are they going to relate with the goddess archetype and the mother archetype, and then also, of course, the maiden and, and the crone on the other either sides of, of that of that triple goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then also, I uh, this is the part that is really surprising is when you emerge out of that cutting that umbilical cord with one's mom, like you know, energetically, you come out of it actually having, relating with one's mom in a very different way. Like I still relate to her as her being my mom, but she also became a sister, just an older sister. And and I don't have a sister. I'm like you, I have a brother and that's new. That's new to talk to her about things that I didn't talk to her uh, while I still lived at home. Um, you know, and being able to sort of really just discuss things as women rather than as mother-daughter, that was really unexpected for me. Um, and I would say that's that's a newer thing. That's That really didn't come out until more recently, whereas 
uh, earlier, my oldest one's 12 now. So earlier it was more of a, uh, I felt it was a, it was really a conversation around authority yeah. and power yeah. and, and yeah, needing to, to seek the approval of grandma or my, my, my mother. And, you know, and it's just, and, and her understanding that, uh, she fulfilled a role and she fulfilled it really well. Um, that it was time for her role to also morph and evolve. Mm. Um, no one gives you a manual that tells you this is how you're supposed to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and even if you do, um, a lot of times the manual is, it's so generalized. It doesn't really discuss sort of the specifics and the individual dynamics. Definitely. And I love that you, you know, owned the moving away from the sacrificial martyr as the mother, you know, like archetype. Like, I feel like that's, that's partly generational. That's partly cultural. And it's partly like the timing that we find ourselves in the world right now. Like when I look at the options and the desires that women express around, you know, when they're pregnant around the types of women that they want to become or the types of mother they want to become. I see how steeped it is in the example that they received from their mother, either, you know, I want to be exactly like her because she was a super mom or I want to be nothing like her because <laughs> like right. it, didn't, it didn't really work out. But either way, there is a kind of reaction there. And I try to move it away from either polarization and into a space of choosing like, okay, in a neutral place from a place of intentionality and a place of you being the beginning of a new line and you having, you know, space and the option and the time to kind of coming to a reflection that, you know, our parents' generation, a lot of them didn't, you know, quite frankly, they, they were literally like on it. Like they had to be to survive. I think a lot of our parents, especially, you know, parents who um, have experienced poverty or find themselves um, immigrants in another place or finding that they have to kind of prioritize this productivity, haven't had the privilege of that time and space to really reflect on all of the nuance of their decisions. And so with the gift and privilege that we find ourselves in as women who have access to more knowledge, to more support, to more tools and resources, I feel like there is this gift, this real opportunity to shift things and to heal things and then to make new choices. And so I love seeing that transition from, you know, women feeling like they have to carry something on or, you know, ob obligatory um, performance or any of that kind of thing, you know, living up to expectations or models and then being like, oh wait, I actually just get to choose what I create. Like I get to be the mom that I want to be regardless of, yeah, you do. And it's like that I find is just such a gift and one that if we can take and own, we're creating such a opportunity for our children as well. It's like, this is who I'm here to be, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and you choose when it's your turn, you know, when you're in your relationship, if you ever go into parenthood, you choose how you want to navigate that. But there isn't such a burden, I don't feel, when we're able to own that decision. It's so true. I mean, it's, I think I feel like for so much of my life, um, I was seeking permission. And all of a sudden being a, a mother, it's like, oh, I can give myself permission. Um, and, and that was hard, right? Like to say, you know, I don't have space for guilt anymore. I don't have space for uh, all those old um, tricks that uh, bring us down. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then also knowing that, you know, you can, you can continue those, those qualities that 
were really nourishing for you and discontinue those other ones. And then doing that, you heal yourself. Um, that as I parent, I reparent myself and I become my own mother. And it's so necessary. And, you know, you spoke about that sense of being able to relate to your mom as a sister. Um, I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I also feel like sometimes I really just want to be like a child. Yes, <laughs> totally. There are days when I'm like, I just want to crawl in my bed and be tucked in and just like, just feel the sense of the holding that comes with that mothering relationship. And some women haven't experienced the nourishment of a mother. And so it doesn't have to be as literal as your biological mother or the, the woman who mm-hmm. raised you. It can be mm-hmm. the archetype. It can be the energy. Absolutely. I wondered if you had practices or rituals that spoke to that kind of maternal energy of allowing that to come in in a way that nourishes us and and comforts us. Yeah, I I find that I relate with going back to the plants. Um, there's certain plants that function as the energetic mother archetypes for me, mm. um, and same thing with a few uh, spirit animals. But but really, it's the plants. Um, geranium and fern for me are are like deeply deeply matriarchal um they're especially fern very ancient um and you know she's been around since the beginning Mm. um she's been around when uh, you know the dinosaurs like roamed uh the earth and so for me knowing and, and she exists all over the world like i mean there's not one place really where you don't really find ferns and so to me, I just feel that there's this prehistoric archetype mm-hmm. that's available um, that I can either journey to and, and visit, um, or sometimes I just feel her energy here, like, you know, in, in this reality. Mm-hmm. And same thing with geranium. Um, geranium is, a lot of it is through scent. So it could be through the actual literal scent um, of, let's say, uh geranium oil um but sometimes you know i'll be just doing my thing and there's there's no actual oil physically around me but i will get that whiff um and it's like a little reminder and so they're they're not active rituals in that traditional sense but certainly it's an awareness that uh the mother archetype has always existed right like the first archetype there is no other archetype outside of the mother archetype. And so a lot of times, you know, really when I need to be, like you had said, tucked in or held, it is an invitation to return to the body, like to the body, because it's your body that holds you. It's your body that tucks you in. Um, and we are so rewarded in this culture to be in the head and not in the body. The body is made to feel very... Um, base very unspiritual or very dangerous or very unreliable and for women there's this whole ageist piece too right like it's like now that you're a mother my gosh like you you're over the hill yeah you are (laughs) over the hill hill from there yeah (laughs) like what it comes back down to the this narrow lens that patriarchy has has made for women to operate within you know as using our sexuality as our as our greatest asset using our virginity using our um our beauty and our youth to get 
power because that's some of the things that are very highly rewarded. Even Instagram culture is a very interesting thing to observe from that lens because you see that girls are being groomed to to display themselves and to identify themselves in those ways because it's what gets the followers, it's what gets the likes. Absolutely. Even in this post modern society where we think that we've kind of got over a lot of those things. I see it playing out even more rife. All all the time. Even in the wellness community within us. Yeah, like I mean, how many spiritual leaders do you see that are women that are over 40? Very little. Very little. And very interesting that those are the women who I've sought out for my own teaching. And and it was actually one of the things that hindered me from kind of claiming my own space mm-hmm. in, you know, the work, because I really have a reverence for the wisdom that comes with aging and with yes. study, you know, like these women with experience, experience yes. with, with mastery, with, with craft, with, you know, time, with um, continual dedication to something. And for me, I've, I have a real gripe, you know, even just within the coaching industry with the, the ways that, you know, transformation gets packaged and, and watered down and then sold back with like a massive price tag. And I'm like, this is not how it resonates with me. You know, like for me, I really Mm -hmm. am drawn to to knowledge and wisdom and maturation um, and how Mm -hmm. some of those ancient um, knowledges can be passed down to us in a way that as those coming up behind, we can do the integration to say, okay, well, obviously our modern lives are perhaps pulling us in this direction or this now feels more important or actually this is now shifted or the conversation has moved on, but actually be the gateway between the old and preparing for the next generation or this new earth as as so been called. And likewise, I don't always think that wisdom comes with age, right? There are a lot of people who are aging who aren't growing any wiser. Um, (laughs) But for those who, you know, but for those who have become the teachers and the the gateways, I'm like, we need to elevate those voices, you know, like the the elders, like we, we've lost that respect. And I know perhaps in Chinese culture, there is more of an elevation of the elders. But I think for the diaspora in in, in Western culture, you know, we, we've lost that. And this over promotion of youth, I think is one of the things that we're needing to really heal from. But I wanted to go in on how just as you gave us those examples of um, geranium and um, fern being like really practical ways that you can enter into that kind of mother matriarch space. Um, what are some of the ways that your work starts to influence how you parent and how you've mothered your boys? Mm. Um, I know we were speaking about abilities from our children who perhaps innately hold on to them anyway or or are gifted with them when they're born but perhaps through our socialization kind of move further away from them how have you managed to bring that integrally into the ways that you parent and mother your sons so many ways well they're aware that that our household we follow um, two calendars there's the solar calendar and and uh, you know or the gregorian calendar and there's the lunar calendar um, they're aware that you know there's multiple altars in the home um, and that uh, they can approach the altar uh, with me or by themselves anytime. Um, and if they choose not to, that's totally, totally fine as well. Um, 
we talk a lot about ancestors. We're constantly discussing things that we know about our family lines and the stories and the food. We, we're a food home. We, we eat a lot and enjoy cooking. And so a lot of it is revolved around mm -hmm. food, um, the stories of food and how survival is linked to food and how um, uh, cultures linked to food and, and this idea of comfort and belonging and holidays around food. So food becomes a huge um, place uh, to at least begin the conversations. And then another one is every morning, um, my boys and I, we talk about our dreams. We, you know, we, we just, like, I, I invite them. I share my dreams. Um, they share their dreams. And then we go around interpreting each other's dreams. Um, and it's not that I've ever really had the goal of, like, yeah, one day they may be wizards. I don't know. Like, that's their, they have to figure that out. But I think it's, it's helpful to be able to know how to decode symbols. I think it's always helpful to um, be in relationship with that subconscious aspect of who we are. Um, and then, yeah, other things would be like uh, allowing them to honor their truth, for them to uh, share what it is that they feel and to share what it is that they, they see as, as intuition. Um, and one thing I will say that is, it's currently a challenge in the parts of the world that operate from more of that Western mm -hmm. paradigm is that there's a lot of female leaders out there that are discussing empowerment for females, but there isn't actually a lot of male leaders dis discussing empowerment in a truly sacred way um, that has nothing to do with toxic masculinity, but really talking about what it means to embody the divine masculine. That conversation is not happening on um, mass. Um, and I understand that the female has to lead. And this is why it isn't yet. Uh, but because of this, I, I need to anticipate, like I want my boys to be able to grow tapped into that really beautiful divine solar or divine masculine aspect and so i feel that everything i do i, I want them to re to remember and to know that deep deep deeply and i can't necessarily demonstrate it because i'm not, i'm not a man but i do contain masculine um, energies too all of us do regardless of gender so hopefully they can learn a bit of that and when they are a bit older when they are maybe more actively forming their philosophical or spiritual uh, choices then hopefully they have some rooting there already I really lean into that observation about divine masculinity being quite sparse and rare women have these conversations we have these spaces we're beginning to to reclaim you know our awareness on these things and about how we want to orientate our power in the world and we we need to bring our partners alongside us and if we have boys sons we need to bring our sons in the fold as well and so you know really embracing our healthy sacred masculine is part of that work and a journey mm -hmm. that I am Absolutely. very aware of at the moment because it's bringing up a lot around my own father wound. It's bringing up a lot around the, mm. the models of toxic masculinity that I've grown around and trying to navigate how to be an authority and how to have boundaries and how to, you know, have creative potency and not default into the kind of negative hyper masculinity side of things. Um, but then also 
wanting to nurture relationships and connections with men who are displaying that in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so clearly, mm -hmm. you know, I work through that with my husband and we speak about these things when we talk about it in a, in a cultural lens and through, through the family. Um, but we're very aware that it feels like a space that we don't have much tools. We don't have much examples of. Um, and so I think your awareness around that is, is really key to how to raise, you know, conscious, gentle, powerful, you know, whole um, men for the next generation. And I wondered if there was anything specifically that maybe you've picked up in some of your journeying or some of your messaging around how, spirit kind of wants us to orientate that well say first of all men are and boys um, they are just as emotional as women and girls and they're just as intuitive it's just that patriarchy doesn't hold space for that for them and i always find and i say this a lot that men are just as much victims of patriarchy as anyone else because if anything like at least as a female i still have the space to operate as intuitive and emotional because patriarchy already knows that about me anyway as yes. as a female but it's much much tricky for a man to navigate that without um having labels attached um and a lot of times these labels are inaccurate or very limiting and so, yeah, I would say that's something that I've profoundly seen. Um, and with both my boys, they're, they're deeply intuitive. Like, and, and I'm already saying they have psychic gifts. And, um, and when they're interested in honing them, I'll provide some instruction and some guidance. And other times when they just want to be a regular old Spider-Man, as they call it, like, I just want to be a neighborhood Spider-Man. I don't want to be a superhero. Be like, yeah, you just stick playing with your toys, riding your bike, whatever it is that you do. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, really recognizing that, uh, that it's okay to, to be psychic and it's okay to have gifts and then giving the permission to sort of make their choices around that. Um, yeah. And then the other piece is men also, I mean, it's really like, these are stereotypes that women like connection, women are, are relational. So are, they are too. They are too. And they mm -hmm. want to be seen. Um, and I think a big challenge I see with my boys is they say that in their peer groups is that they need to hide that. They need to hide their uh, wizardry, so to speak. They, they don't talk about being able to read faces or being able to see auras and stuff like that because oh, cool. that would just be too weird. They would be um, seen as outcasts. Yeah. So there is like that closeted aspect that's already happening um, because they do want to be seen. And, um, and all I can say is, you know, when it feels safe to, you will find your, your group. But right now, when you're really young, um, your, your pool is so much smaller that, you know, that you may not be able to find your people right away. I love that. And I, it's, it's a shame that those are abilities that we're not still openly nurturing and encouraging. I mean, clearly you are with your boys, but you know, the, it, it doesn't necessarily feel that far from the, you know, the childhood that you described where you had an innate knowing that actually to express that wouldn't be, wouldn't be cool. And there would be a, a, a framing around that, that would be unhelpful. And so 
you know, the fact that you've mm-hmm. been able to own your own power and your own truth on your own journey is giving your boys the permission. But I feel like we need to do this on a collective level. Absolutely. I'm so aware that, you know, the ways that we're overusing technology and the ways that children are kind of being um, integrated into things that we didn't grow up having as normal, you know, like just the amount of screen time, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that as a kind of deliberate mm-hmm. um like deadening of some of those uh, senses, like some of the senses that connect us to yes. nature, some of the um, the conscious awareness that that needs nurturing and, and honing when you're connecting with spirit, like the development of our capacities and our abilities to to intuit. You spoke about reading faces, and now everyone's wearing masks. So it's like we're moving in a direction that is. I feel like directly it's sterile bringing it's us sterile. away. It's bringing us away from, from those gifts. Yeah. And so I wonder how you would encourage people who are listening, who are perhaps interested a few steps into their path of healing and awakening and spirituality and conscious parenting to really come home to that, to those aspects in themselves, because I don't believe that that's um, restricted to a few individuals. I feel like we all have come to to awaken those parts of ourselves and those abilities within ourselves but it takes almost like a stepping away from certain things that we've just taken on as normal right so how would you um Mm -hmm. maybe just some some inroads some gateways for women who are wanting to go deeper on that journey either for themselves and for their children to begin that coming home and reclamation I love this question so much Um, I would say return to the land. There's two types of land. One is the physical land of earth. And then the other land is what I had talked about earlier is the body, your body. Um, And absolutely, I do find that this is a thing with technology. It was designed to make our lives easier, right? Rather than walking 30 miles to get fresh water, Now I can turn on my tap and water flows through. But there's a price. It's chlorinated. In some parts of the world, there's fluoride. There's, you know, there's there's no actual live minerals in the water. So it's Mm. kind of partially dead. It's clean though, it's sterile. (laughs) You're not gonna get sick from it in that traditional sense of uh, you're you're not gonna Mm -hmm. get, you know, E. coli, let's say, from the water, but you are gonna slowly kill yourself eventually because the water is relatively dead. Um, same thing with everything else, rather than having to walk distances, uh, to, uh, acquire food to forage or hunt or whatever, um, or even just, you know, us growing our own food. I mean, that's been a long time since uh, the collective has really done that in a sustainable way. Most of us, uh, hop in a vehicle, um, be it if it's public transportation or if it's, you know, a vehicle that, that we, we own or lease or whatever. Um, and, uh, and it's comfortable. We don't get wet. Um, if it's raining, we're not too hot. If it's too hot, because we've got AC that we can turn on and everything is so designed for our comfort. Um, now, uh, because of COVID, um, we're ordering food to be delivered to our home. We literally don't even have to leave our home. Like, I mean, even this idea of going to the grocery store is seen as an inconvenience and potentially dangerous now. So now we're just, everything is just shipped to our home. 
there's a price to that. Uh, we are addicted mm -hmm. to our devices. Um, you know, we are not only addicted, but every single behavior is watched. It's, it's being analyzed and it's being mined and then recorded and then collected in this big vault of data. Big data is big business. I would say the last frontier is what's inside of us. It's our brains, it's our secrets, it's the mystery. So I would say the way to, to become alive again, to rewild, is get back in the body, get back in the land, return to the land, return to the earth, which is another land, and return to mystery. I think it's kind of fun to be at a point where I don't know all about me and that you don't know all about me and that my partner doesn't know all about me because that's actually what creates attraction. That's what creates a need to want to be intimate. If I know everything about you, the intimacy has already arrived. There's nothing else that is kind of pulling me, drawing for that dance to take place. But we humans have largely forgotten how to dance, other than our eyes scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Well, that's not a dance, that's a hypnosis. And we have entered into a trance, right? So it's about this waking up. And I'm not, and this is the thing, it's a two-sided coin because if I needed a recipe that, you know, like for whatever broth that I want to make, and even if I didn't own any cookbooks, I could just Google it and probably find it for free. Um, there's, and if my children had to do a research project on something, they could probably find that for free um, somewhere on Google, right? Like it's, it's, it's convenient, it's convenient. Um, but it's, I'd like to know who's operating this. Is technology operating humans or are humans operating technology? And I think right now we are being operated on. I would agree. And I think, you know, when you speak about sovereignty, that to me is is the the stake. It's like, you know, a lot of us don't realize how much freedom we've given up. We don't realize how much we've lost in the choice for convenience you know even you know the desires that we have and the urges that we have and the the things that we think we're choosing you know i really have to always strip it back and be like where did this come from like is it because i've seen it 90 million times flicked in front of my face that i think that i want this thing i couldn't believe it when i saw my daughter um when she was really young like maybe three watch an advert and then she said oh i'm hungry now because they showed they showed food on the TV. And I was like, wow. this is how they catch you. Because like, obviously we know that psychology is, is behind all of these things. And I, I don't want to sound like an ultra conspiracist, but yeah. I just, I'm just so hyper aware right. of, you know, especially when you expose children to technology, just the ways that they get sucked in shows me how we've been sucked in to the point where we don't even see it as like we're sucked in, right? And so yeah, I'm very don't. interested in healing yeah. as a path of rewilding. It might not need to look like, you know, leaving the system and living off grids and growing your own food and foraging. But no. what, what does that look like, you know, for the average person living the average life? What could we do to get back into the body and get back to the land? Yeah, so when I say returning to body and land, it means you are totally aware and totally in this place of relaxation, right? Because when you think about it, most of us, modern humans, we are not relaxed. 
there's a hum of anxiety in our system 24 7. it might not be to the level of a panic attack uh, or something very very severe where we require let's say medication but for the most part there is this hum of anxiety yeah. like it's it is there um and so when you return to the land and really come home to your body and you can check your pulse so to speak see what it is that you need and not because the latest thing that you saw from some bad food coach um, but because you intuitively sense that this is what your body needs and a lot of it, the food that we will crave will be our ancestral food. It'd be food that your mother made and her mother made and what her mother made. Like that's really one part of it is like eating ancestrally, um, eating seasonally because those foods are made to nourish you at that time of the year. Like this is the whole point of it, right? Um, interestingly enough, a lot of uh, Chinese root vegetables and Chinese adaptogens in the form of like uh, herbs and such that are um, either beige or white. Uh, they're associated with autumn. Um, they're considered metal foods. And these foods are, interestingly enough, supposed to help with your, uh, with your mm. respiratory system. And because when you think about it, autumn is a really common time to yeah. catch a cold. So it's interesting because if you eat seasonally and eat ancestrally, you would know this without having the science to back it up. Science mm -hmm. is in the past tense. Science looks to what has happened in the past and explains it. But I feel then it's like all it is, it's just verifying. It's just creating a validity. But I feel that to look into the future, you need to look to the ancestors what did they do because if it worked for them chances are it's going to work for us um, because our bodies are not that different our brains are not that different than our ancestors technology has changed the world looks different a lot of things on the external looks different but on the inside a lot of it is still the same the other piece that i find and this is much more um uh, esoteric this is not so literal think about an archetype or even an alter ego that gives you a sense of immense sovereignty and power and apply that towards all the things that entrap you including technology so for instance I love the alter ego mm -hmm. of the femme fatale I just love her I love how she is so tapped into her erotic nature i love how she's so tapped into her body and how she dictates the shots with the powers that be which is essentially patriarchy why can't i approach my quote-unquote addictions or the things that entrap me including technology through the archetype of a femme fatale so i'm not playing around with technology in the sense of that technology is the dominatrix what happens if i was the dominatrix of ig when i tune in i'd give myself parameters these are sort of the maximums around these are the safe words and then once i'm done once i'm done essentially like fucking mm -hmm. on ig i get out 
And then you, you retain your sovereignty. You used it in a way that served you, and but you don't become part of the machine. And I use sex as a metaphor because A, we respond to sex. There's so much power. There's something so deep and so visceral and so ancient. In fact, if sex didn't exist, you and I wouldn't be here. Our children wouldn't be here. And one day their children won't be here. This is the power. That is the portal that all existent comes through. It's this, it's this dance. It's this exchange of energy. So if I'm going to be going to bed with IG or Facebook or whatever it is, that technology, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm, in, I'm personifying um, these apps, but if I'm going to go to bed with my phone and all the things, all the worlds that my phone contains, I want to know what kind of sex I'm going to be having. And with that, I want to go in as informed as I can. And when I'm done, I leave. And I find that when I approach anything in life, be it if it's social or a really big, scary thing, whatever it may be, through that lens of it's deeply shamanic, right? It's, it's understanding things from an animistic way. It's like all these things are beings. My phone is a being well, am I going to be a submissive with my phone or if I'm going to be the dominant? I like to know that. When we make that agreement, uh, we do it consciously and then there's just so much more, um, so much more sense of power around it all. Makes sense. And I think that that's a really lovely point to close on. I think giving ourselves the space and the power to embody the archetype that is going to allow us to move through with more control, with more, um, with more integrity and not be used and not be victims, I think will serve us um, going forward. So thank you for sharing that. And for women who would like to follow your work and your journey, uh, where can they find you and what's coming next for you? So if you want to go into the vortex of IG, <laughs> you could uh, find me um, at the handle shop ceremony. Ceremony is spelt with an I-E at the end. Or you can go onto my website where I list all my courses, my mystery mentorship program, my product offerings, which is shopceremony.com. Same thing, it's an I-E at the end instead of a Y. Thank you so much, Mimi. It's been such a pleasure and so many branches, which I know we could go even deeper on. Um, I will put links to all of the above in my show notes. Um, and yeah, if there's any last words you want to share with the soul mamas. Have fun being the femme fatale. <laughs> <laughs> image is very strong in my mind now. Yeah, I'm going to go and make a tea in my femme fatale way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Mimi wishing you lots of blessings onwards in your journey and in your motherhood take care thank you so much I found that fascinating Mimi's perspectives are so refreshing her invitations to us to embrace our bodies and return to the land and get super conscious about the roles we are inheriting and those we are making space for in our own children just hit different I tell you one thing, I don't think my interactions with Instagram are going to be the same again. What was your biggest takeaway? Let me know on Instagram. I've also linked everything mentioned in the show notes on my website. So you're welcome to comment there too. And for those of you who might be wanting to explore plant medicines further and lean into the ways herbs can support us through motherhood, check out my Soul Mama blog on womb wellness. 
In there, I include a herbal blend and directions for a womb or yoni steam that you can do yourself at home. It's a powerful and beautiful way to begin your healing journey. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Soul Mama Coach for more personal shares and updates, and you can email me at nahanda at soulmamajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.